back tonight. Good to have you here. And uh, how many of you are here tonight? Okay. I, I heard about a, uh, a fellow that was a, uh, a, a five-point Calvinist. Preacher. How about that? The sound man oh, I don't have my sound turned on. I hate these things. There we go. I heard about a fellow that was a, uh, a Calvinist, which they believe that whatever's going to happen is going to happen and uh, you can't change it. Uh, you have no say in the matter. Kind of craziness. Uh, and uh, and so he started every service at his church by saying, "Why are we all here?" <clears throat> and the congregation would respond back in unison, "Because of the providence of God." One day he was invited to preach at the Nut House, <laughs> and uh, and he got up and he said. Why are we all here? And some crazy guy, just out of habit, he said that. And some crazy guy back in the back stood up and said, because we're not all there. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I pastored in Tennessee for a little while. When, when Phil and Vaughn got married, I, uh, I rented them a chalet yes, on, uh, on, on Cherokee Lake mm -hmm. uh, for their honeymoon. And... Uh, uh, when I was in Tennessee, I'm telling you, there were some 
there were some backwoods. I mean, this is country, but it's country down there. I mean, it's real country. And uh, uh, some of the places I went to, uh, you just can't imagine uh, what they were like. And these people were, were good old fashioned, just good old fashioned hillbillies. Where my mom's from, my dad's people are from Kentucky. And uh, my dad always told me, he said, you're a hillbilly. And I said, I'm not a hillbilly. I was born in Ohio. He said, look, if your mommy's a hillbilly and your daddy's a hillbilly, you're a hillbilly. You can't do anything about it. And so uh, uh, when I got down there, though, I found out what a hillbilly was. And, uh, and I heard about an old boy that lived back in the hills. And uh, his, his wife uh, and he uh, didn't have any running water, didn't have electric, uh, just lived in a, in a shack. Uh, out on the side of a mountain. And uh, one thing about those folks down there, when they, uh, they don't have garbage trucks. They live up on top of these hills yes, and they just throw the trash down and it goes far enough down the hill they can't see it so they don't worry about it. And, uh, and this old boy lived in a house like that. And, uh, and they lived so far back that he had never seen a mirror. Never seen a mirror. And he was walking out through the woods one day and he saw this shiny thing on the ground. He reached down and picked it up, and it was a woman's compact, and he didn't know what it was. But he opened it up, and there was a mirror inside of it. He looked at himself, and he kind of grinned, and he smiled, and he said, well, I'll be There's a picture of my old daddy. And he folded it up, and he put it in his pocket, and he was so proud that he'd found the picture of his daddy. And, uh, and so he took it home. He didn't want his wife to know what he'd found. And so in, in the middle of the night when he thought she was asleep, he got up and he ran up stairs into the attic and he took the compact and he opened it up one last time, held a candle up and looked down and he said, I can't believe this is my daddy. And he folded it up and he stuck it under a pile of clothes. Well, what he didn't know is his wife wasn't asleep. She was faking because she knew something was up. <laughs> and so she snuck upstairs after he started snoring and uh, she got upstairs and she dug through the pile of clothes and she found this compact and she lit a candle and she opened it up and she looked at it and she said, uh-huh, that's that old hag he's been running around with. <laughs> so, so what I'd ask you to do tonight is, is not think about what the other guy sees, but think about what you see tonight when you look uh, in the mirror. <clears throat> We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. And traditionally, uh, we're coming up next Sunday's Mother's Day, and traditionally this is a verse, a passage that people will talk about and preach about on Mother's Day. And uh, they talk about how you ought to be uh, this woman if you're a mother. I don't know how many of you have read this thing, but man, you've got to be almost uh, able to uh, outrun a speeding bullet and able to leap tall buildings in a single bound and all that stuff to be this woman that's found in this passage. I mean, she's in real estate. Uh, she does about a little bit of everything. Her husband praises her and the people in the gate know her husband. She talks about how great he is. And that, my wife does that. She tells her about how great I am. Uh, she says I'm really good when I'm sleeping. Uh, that's when I'm good. And... Uh, and so uh, we talk about this woman on Mother's Day, and we all do that. Or in women's meetings, they'll talk about uh, the virtuous woman. Uh, next week, Brother Phil may preach on the virtuous woman. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to look at it in a different light today. 
Do you know who wrote the book of Proverbs? Solomon, right? Now Solomon was known as the son of David and the king of Israel. Guess who else is known in the Bible as the son of David and the king of Israel? Jesus Christ. And so, I think that if you read Proverbs in the light of it being the son of David, the king of Israel, being Christ, and you'll find that in the first verse of Proverbs, by the way, that it was Solomon. And uh, this fellow that, that's named in the first verse of chapter 31, Lemuel, we really don't know anything about him. I think that this is a name that had something to do with Solomon. I think it was Solomon because we don't know anything about this guy, okay? Uh, and it may not be. I don't know. But I know Solomon is the individual that compiled Proverbs, right. and he decided to put this in. If he's not the king of Lemuel, uh, then he is one that, uh, that compiled this and decided to put it into the Proverbs. And so if you look down to verse number 10, we're going to read one verse, and we're going to look at a whole lot of verses. But uh, it says, now I want you to think, instead of this being Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, I want you to think about this as being Christ, the son of David, the king of Israel. Because Solomon is representative of Christ. You remember, you remember when uh, uh, Jesus said, uh, Solomon and all of his glory is not arrayed like the lilies of the field. Right. He said, yet, talking about himself. And he says, look, Solomon doesn't have, <laughs> Solomon had no comparison with what Jesus was, right? right. And so, uh, Jesus is asking this question. And he's asking it to you. I want you to just put yourself in this position. He says, who can find, in verse number 10, who can find a virtuous woman? Now, we're going to look at the rest of the verse here in a minute. But, so, instead of it being Solomon asking the question, who can find a virtuous woman, it's Jesus asking us the question, who can find a virtuous woman? I got to looking, in the Bible, there are a little few than 1,100 men whose names are named in the Scripture. That's about 96% of the name, or 86% of the names that are found in the Bible. There are 188 women in the Bible, or about 14% of the names in the Bible are women's names. That doesn't mean that women are less important than men, but, but what it means is, uh, I, I was listening to a fellow the other day, and he said, I have people ask me all the time, are women more important or better, or are men more important and better? And he said, yes. I thought, well, that's a weird answer. And then he went on to explain his yes. He said, women are better women than men are. Amen. And I say, amen to that. Yeah. And men are better men than women are. Yes, I said, amen to that, right? I mean, that's pretty good. And, and look, God gave Adam and Eve in the garden. Both He gave them the command to have dominion. Both right. of them. That's right, he did. But Eve's role of dominion was different than Adam's role yes, of dominion. Doesn't mean a woman's less important than a man. It just means they have different roles. You know, let me tell you something. On a football team, 
the quarterback gets all the praise. That's right. But put the quarterback out there without a tackle that weighs 350 pounds, <laughs> and without a guard that weighs 310 pounds, and without a center that weighs 300 pounds, and without tight ends, and without a fullback, put a quarterback out there without those guys, and let's see how well they do. Exactly. Tom Brady would look like a pancake. <laughs> I mean, he'd be smashed. Why? Because they have different roles, and without both roles, there can't be success. That's good. A woman was created to be the helpmeet of the man. That's right. And without her fulfilling her role, the man can't reach the level of success that God wants him to have. Yes, Are you with me? Yes, sir. Okay, so, so Solomon here uh, is talking about the virtuous woman. I told you there are 188 women that are named in the Bible, but could I submit to you that only one woman in the Bible is called a virtuous woman? One out of 188. Yes, sir. That's right, my name. Now, I want you to think about this. One out of 188. Yes, sir. And when you look at that, I tell you, it wasn't Eve. Nope. And I'll tell you that it wasn't Sarah, nope. and that it wasn't Rebecca, nope. and that it wasn't uh, Leah, and that it wasn't Hannah, and it wasn't Deborah, and it wasn't uh, Esther, right. and it wasn't uh, Mary, and it wasn't. Uh, uh, it wasn't Elizabeth. It wasn't Priscilla. Right. Yes, sir. You're there right. was one woman that's named as the virtuous woman. Yes, if you sir. look back at me, uh, I'll tell you who it is. It was Ruth. Exactly. Amen. Go back in the book of Ruth and look down with me at, uh, at verse number 11 of chapter 3 of Ruth. Now, keep your place there in Proverbs because we're going to get back there pretty shortly. Uh, it says in Ruth chapter 3, verse 11... Uh, and now, my daughters, fear not, my daughter, fear not, I will do thee all that thou requirest, for yes, all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Exactly. One woman in all the Bible is called a virtuous woman. And it was Ruth. Now let me give you the story of Ruth. Naomi was a Jewish woman that during a famine ended up going down to Moab. And when she got to Moab, she married a guy by the name of Elimelech. That'd be a good name for some of you gals to name your baby boy when he's born. Elimelech. You call him Mech? You call, I don't know. Maybe he's from the Philippines. I mean, you guys got strange names. I don't know. But, uh, but, but, he, but he, 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 she married a fellow by the name of Elimelech. And they had two boys. Their boys were named Malan and Chilean. Those are two more good names. Thank you for Chilean. And, uh, and so she had Malan and Chilean, and one of them married a gal by the name of Orpah. That's a good name. Name your girls Orpah. And the other one married a gal by the name of Ruth. They were Moabites. Now these fellas were from the tribe of Judah, their father, Elimelech, was from the tribe of Judah. He was a Jew, but he married, uh, or, or, or I'm sorry, uh, Naomi was a Jew from the tribe of Judah, and she married a Moabite by the name of Elimelech, 
And Elimelech had two sons with Naomi named Malan and Chilion, and they married Orpah and Ruth. Have I got you totally confused yet? Okay, so what happened is Elimelech got sick and died. After Elimelech got sick and died, Malan got sick and died, and then uh, uh, Chilion got sick and died. So they got three widow women. And Naomi finally decides, man, I don't live, I don't live here anymore. She said, I'm gonna go back to my fatherland. I'm going back to, I'm going back to Israel. I'm going back to where I came from. And Ruth said, I'm gonna go with you. There's a famine going on here now in Moab, and I want to go with you because I hear that in that in Bethlehem there's food to be found. So here's the story. Ruth leaves her mother and her father and everything that she held dear and everything that was familiar to her, everything that she loved, and she heard about a place where there was bread to be found. She was in a famine. She heard about a place where there was bread to be found. She left everything that she held dear and loved, and she went to where bread was to be found, which was Bethlehem. When she got to Bethlehem, she went to work in a field by a fellow by the name of Boaz. And, and, and Boaz was from the tribe of Judah. He was from Bethlehem. And uh, she went to work in his field. And Boaz walked by her one day when she's out there gleaning in the field picking up the scraps that were left. And Boaz uh, went, Whoo, man, that's a good looking gal. And his heart went... And he fell in love with her. Love at first sight. You know what he did? He married her. And he took her out of the field and took her back to his house and they lived happily ever after. That's a pretty good story. Let me give you our story. We were from a cursed race just like Moab was a cursed race, the part of the human race. And Jesus left heaven and came to earth. We were living in the field. The Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 13 that the field is the world. We were living in the world. And when Jesus saw us in the field, He, he loved us and He gave Himself for us. And when He did that, we left everything that the world had for us that we had held dear in our lives. And we went and, we, and, and we're going to become uh, the bride of Christ at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to be united with our, uh, with our groom. And we're going to live happily ever after with Him. Amen. Amen. Boaz was Ruth's kinsman redeemer. And I don't have time to go into all that. But Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. That's right. Okay? He, he, he became flesh so that He could pay the price for our sin. Right. And so, what, what Ruth chapter 3 is, and the whole book of Ruth really, what, what the book of Ruth is all about is this. It's a picture of the church being redeemed by its kinsman redeemer taken out of the world and one day being taken home with Jesus to live with Him forever. Amen. Amen. That's a good story. Now, go back to Proverbs 31. So if Ruth is a virtuous woman in Proverbs chapter 31, and Ruth is a picture of the church in the Old Testament, 
then what I would say to you is that Proverbs chapter 31, if Jesus were to ask us the question, who can find a virtuous woman? He's asking us to find the virtuous woman in the world today, which is the church, which He purchased with His own blood. And that's the second part of verse number 10. If you look at what it says in Proverbs 31 verse number 10, He says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. We are not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of the Lamb without spot and without blemish. You know what color a ruby is? A ruby's red. You know what it represents? That Jesus Christ loved us and gave Himself for us. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We ought to glorify God in our body and in our spirit which are His. Amen. That's good. So... The virtuous woman here is the church that's been purchased with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in verse number 11. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. Let me tell you something. Jesus is looking for a church. Amen. Jesus is looking for a church that will be unspotted from the world, that will live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Jesus is looking for a church and for a bride that will be faithful to Him. You see, friendship with the world is enmity with God. You can't be the friend of God and be the friend of the world. You can't straddle the fence. You've either got to be in or out. And Jesus is looking for a church today, a virtuous woman, that her husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, can trust in her. That's good. Pretty good stuff. Okay, let's go on down. I mean, there's a lot of verses here we're going to take a look at. And uh, uh, we're going to try to go pretty fast. Look at what it says in verse number 12. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Uh, I was talking to Phil LeVon at lunch this afternoon. And, uh, and, my, and my boy uh, has always liked to argue with me. I don't know what makes the boy want to argue with his dad. I mean, I'm smarter than he is. Because I've had a lot more experience than he's had. And so I've been down the road a little bit. And there's no need to argue with me. And he came to my house one year at Christmas. He said, Dad, I've decided I'm a Calvinist. I said, son, I am so sorry that your God is smaller than a flower. <laughs> Tulip, that's the idea of Calvinism, right? And, and one of the points of Calvinism is the perseverance of the saints. The per- perseverance. In other words, if you get saved, you're going to live right and you're going to persevere and you're always going to be right. I'm going to tell you, that's not been my experience. I've not always done right and lived right and done the right thing. I have tripped and fell. Uh, if we say we have no sin... John said, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We can't say that we have arrived and that we're going to persevere in perfection until Jesus comes. But what I can tell you is that a child of God, we're preserved blameless until the day of Jesus Christ. Because I'm covered by the blood of Christ. I'm saved. Uh, Phil was teaching in Brother Phil's teaching Sunday school this morning. It said, "Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin." Right. Yes. Man, what a great verse that is! Yes, it is. 
I was telling my wife after, I, here's, here's what that means to me. Do you know I would rather live right now in the church age as a child of God? I'd rather live right now in 2023 than I would to live in the Garden of Eden. Yes, sir. You say, why is that? Why would you say that? Well, here's why. Because when Adam sinned, his sin was imputed to him. Right. Adam's sin was put on his account. But I've been saved by the blood of Christ. I've been justified or made just as if I'd never sinned. And when I sin, God does not impute sin to me. That's right. Because I have put on my account. That's what it means. Imputed means put on my account. I have, been, I have had the righteousness of Christ put to my account and the ledger settled. God doesn't put my sin on me. God put my sin on Christ and God put Christ's righteousness on me. Who who knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Amen. That's right. So I'm not going to have to persevere, but I'm preserved. Amen. It's good. <laughs> it's a pretty good little thought. I love green beans. Love them. I love green. I mean, I could eat green beans for uh, dinner. I could eat green beans for lunch. I could eat green beans for breakfast. You put a ham hock and a bunch of green beans and get them good and cooked. And man, I and they got to be half runners. Yeah. They're gonna be the right kind of bean. These stringless beans, if you don't have to work at it, they ain't worth eating. <laughs> okay? I like half runner beans. And uh, uh, I've got I've got right now about about sixteen quarts left up in the top of our pantry, right? Carl, we got about sixteen quarts and I and and we strung them and I canned them. Because I love green beans. Now we put, we put those things, we put them in jars, we poured hot water on them, put a teaspoon of salt in them, screwed the lid on, put them in a pressure cooker, raised the pressure up to I think about 13 pounds, left them in there for about 25, 30 minutes, and then we take them out and we set them on the counter. And, you, and you'll be sitting there and all of a sudden you'll start hearing. Snap, 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 man, those... Those seals are setting on those beans. That means come, come. The, my mom always said you can't eat a can of green beans until after the first frost. Man, we'd get to about about the first part of October. We start praying, God, make it cold. <laughs> we want some beans. Now I'm going to tell you what those beans don't keep themselves. That's right. The seal keeps the beans. And we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. I don't keep myself. I am kept by the power of God through faith. I'm kept by Him. I don't have to persevere because I'm preserved. This is pretty good stuff. Let's go on down. Look down with me at, uh, at verse number 18. He says, She considereth the field and buyeth it, uh, with the fruit of her hands, she planteth a vineyard. She she sees a field and she buys it. In in Matthew chapter thirty eight, or Matthew chapter thirteen, in verse number thirty eight, it says the field is the world. Yes, it is. And then you go on down to verse forty four, and it talks about a man 
that saw a treasure in a field. And when he saw the treasure in the field, he sold everything he had and he went and bought that field. Right. You know what Jesus did? He gave up everything he had in heaven and came to earth and lived without a place to lay his head because he saw the field as the world and he bought that field so that you and I could be saved. And if the field is the world, what you need to do is find out what part of the field God wants you to buy. Good. I can tell you this, you live in this area, Lancaster, uh, man, I went through towns that I didn't know existed. Antioch, a little place called Antioch, isn't it down the road down here? And, uh, and what's your address? Stoutsville. 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 Uh, good night. There's all kinds of little birds out here. Yes, sir. I don't know where you live, but where you live is your field. I don't know where you work, but where you work is your field. Good. I don't know where you go to school, but where you go to school is your field. But your field doesn't stop in Lancaster. Ohio yeah. is your field. And the U.S. is your field. Yes, and Central America is your field. And South America is your field. And the Philippines is your field. Right. And China is your field. And Japan is your field. You have a field. You need to find out in this big field that God's got us all planted on what part of the world God wants you to take as a burden for your heart. And you need to buy that field and pay the price and get involved to have an impact yeah. on your field. Yeah. Look, I went to Malawi, Africa. Malawi, Africa is in the middle of nowhere, man. I've been to Costa Rica and preached, and I've been to Panama and preached, and I went to the San Blas Islands and preached, which is off the coast of Panama. Well, that was an experience. Through two interpreters. Oh. First time I'd ever preached through an interpreter, and I had two of them. Oh, my goodness. And I'd say something in English, and then this guy would go from English to Spanish, and then that guy would take it from Spanish to Kuna, and then it was my turn to say, and I thought, where in the world am I at? <laughs> Because you can kind of tell I'm not really a note guy. You know, I just kind of, I let her rip wherever, wherever it goes, where it goes. And, uh, and I mean, I was lost. I preached in Australia. I preached in Canada. I've witnessed to people in, in, uh, in Thailand. And I've, I've witnessed to people in Bali. And I've witnessed to people in France. And, and I've handed out tracts in London. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you, this world is a field. And the field is white unto harvest. And God said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. You need to find a field and get committed to that field and pay the price for that field to win that field and impact that field for the Lord Jesus Christ. She considereth the field and buyeth it. See what the church is supposed to be? Church has been bought by the blood. Her husband ought to be able to trust her. She can trust God to preserve her. She considers a field and buys it. She gets involved in the field of the world. That's what God wants out of this church, Lighthouse Baptist Church yes, in Lancaster, Ohio. Yes, sir. Let's go on down. Look at verse number 20. 
She stretcheth out her hands to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. Galatians 2.10 says, Remember the poor. I'm going to tell you something. We don't know what poor is here. That's right. We really don't know. Brother Phil's talking a little bit ago. Malawi, Africa, average wage $200 U.S. a year. The employment rate in Malawi, Africa is 20%. 20% of the 20 million people that live there have a job. They have about three months out of the year that they can grow crops to feed their family for the rest of the year. They can't go to the mall and buy clothes. They don't own a car. They walk everywhere they go or ride a bicycle, which a bicycle in Malawi costs $200 a year or $200. It costs two. It takes a year's average wages in Malawi to own a bicycle. No electric, no running water in their house, no windows, no doors. Remember the poor. Jesus said the poor you have with you always. Mm-hmm. You know what we've done in this country? We've made it to where it's the government's responsibility to take care of the poor. It's not the government's responsibility right. to take care of the poor. It's the church's responsibility to take care of their own. It's not the government's responsibility and Social Security's responsibility to take care of widows. It's the church's responsibility to take care of widows. We need to remember the poor and, and, and the virtuous woman remembers the poor and reaches forth her hands to the needy. Getting a little close, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Let's go on down. It says, She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. There's that scarlet, that red color again. Yes, sir. Right? Uh, her household is clothed in scarlet, and she's not afraid of the snow. Let me, let me just, you're in Proverbs. Just go back to Psalms 147, just a few pages back. Psalms 147, and look at verse 15. He sendeth forth His commandment upon earth. His word runneth very swiftly. He giveth snow like wool. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth His ice like morsels. Who can stand before His cold? Right there it tells us that snow is picturing the judgment of God. Do you see that? Who can stand before his cold? Talks about snow. And so snow can picture the judgment of God. It can also picture the righteousness of God. But it can picture the judgment of God in Proverbs in Psalms 147, 15 through 19. She said, she's her children are not afraid. She is not afraid of the snow for her household. You know what that tells me? God's not appointed us to wrath. Good. Amen. I don't have to worry. Look, this world's nuttier than a fruitcake right now. Yes, it is. I mean, just plum nuts. 
Yes, sir. I preached last week for a friend of mine, and I made that statement. The world's nuts. Just plumb nuts. Boys want to be girls, and girls want to be boys, and crazy. We, we put a woman on the Supreme Court, and they asked her, said, said uh, can you define a, a, a woman to me? And she said, well, I'm not a biologist. I'm, I'm, I don't have a college education. I made it through high school, and the only way I made it through is I, I sat next to smart kids. <laughs> I mean, that's the way I made it. I took two tests in Spanish, aced both of them. The girl sat next to me, aced both of them. I got kicked out of class for cheating. Now what? Let me, I'm going to give you a biology lesson. This is a woman. This, I think, <laughs> is a man. Right? I mean, how simple is that? Right. I mean, good night. The world's gone plumb nuts. And if God doesn't do something to judge this country, He's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. I said that last week in church. Something like that. Because I just can't leave it alone. It's too stupid <laughs> to not say something about every time I talk just about it. And this gal got up and she walked out. And uh, after the service, her, her father-in-law came to me. He said, that's my daughter-in-law walked out. She's got a friend that, uh, that's transgender. And I said, in other words, she's got a nutball for a friend. <laughs> I said, look, I'm not going to apologize for telling the truth. In the beginning, God created them male and female. Right. Exactly. Carla and I know this gal that posted you, and I, I don't do, I don't do that. I'm scared of that stuff, that posting stuff. Uh, good night. You want to get in trouble? Get on, live on social media. You'll find yourself in trouble. But, but this gal posted the other day. She said there are 77 different genders. She's dumber than a box of rocks. There are two. Male and female. There's no such thing as a she-male. Male and female. And I'm going to tell you, one of these days the Lord Jesus Himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel of the dead in Christ are going to rise first we which are alive and remain be caught up together to meet them in the clouds and there shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And when that happens, there's going to come tribulation on this earth such as has never been seen. There's going to be time of trouble. And three and a half years after that starts, it's going to become great tribulation. And the Antichrist is going to reign terror on the earth. And Jesus is going to come down and He's going to fight a battle called the Battle of Armageddon. And the blood's going to run in the valley of Megiddo to the horses bridles and, and the vultures are going to have a feast after that battle and there are vultures right now that are hatching in the valley of Megiddo in, in Megiddo at the rate of 10 times what they hatched 20 years ago. So what's that mean? It means Jesus is set, God's setting it all up. 
But I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. Why? Because I'll be gone. God's not appointed us to wrath. That's right. I'm not worried about tribulation. I'm not mid-tribulational or post-tribulational. I'm pre-tribulational. You say, what's all that mean? That means before the tribulation starts, I'm gone, I'm out of here, Jesus is going to take us home, and we're going to be forever with the Lord. I don't have to go through one day of the tribulation period. Her, she is not afraid of the snow for her household. Why? Because all of her children are clothed in scarlet. You need to make sure your family's saved and are ready for heaven because Jesus is going to come and all hell is going to break loose on earth and your family needs to be covered and clothed in scarlet in the blood of Jesus Christ so that when God looks through the blood and He sees the redness of us, it appears as white as snow because we've been washed by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Go get you a red piece of plastic that you can see through and hold it over something red. You know what it appears as? White. Try it. So why is that? Because the red blood of Christ makes us white as snow in the eyes of God. Let's go on down. It's pretty good stuff. Look at what it says in verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. Remember in Revelation, it talks about the, the four and twenty elders. Her husband is known when he sits in the gates. Listen, as the church, we our job is to, I told you this morning, uh, Philippians chapter 3. Yes, Remember? Sir. Philippians chapter 3 that I might know Him. Amen. I need to know Him, but not just know Him, but I need to make Him known. That's good. Right? Amen. The elders used to sit at the gate and they'd sit and they'd spew their wisdom to one another. I'm going to tell you, we need to get off of talking about all the garbage that doesn't mean anything to anything and we need to make the focal point of our conversation the one who paid for us and bought us with his blood on the cross of Calvary. We need to talk about it when we rise up. We need to talk about it when we lie down. We need to talk about it all day long. We need to make our husband known in the gates of the city. Yes, sir. I want to keep going. I've I've been going longer than I wanted to. Let's keep going. Uh, Look down with me in uh, verse number 25. Strength and honor are her her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you something. There are times right now that we are going to have trouble. Trouble. We're going to have trouble. But our time of rejoicing is coming. Amen. Good. I mean, there are times I come to church and, 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 and I, I, I leave the music. I, 
Boy, I was shocked as all daylight when I saw you leave. Yes, sir. I knew you would be. <laughs> I thought, good night. This is going to be the flattest choir I've ever heard in my life. And then I realized he doesn't sing. He just waves his hand. Exactly. You got it, brother. Because if he sang, he'd throw everybody off. Yes, I would. I was preaching in Dillsboro, Indiana years ago. And there was an old guy sitting right down here. And I, I'm pretty, I'm, I've, I've got a pretty big mouth. I mean, I can about drown anybody out. And, and we were singing, and this old fella, he didn't know what the right note was. He couldn't even get, I don't think he knew what music was. We sang Amazing Grace, and it, it sounded like this. Amazing Grace, how? Oh! And he sang loud. I hit horrible. And nobody else in the church sang. Because this guy threw everybody off so bad you couldn't sing with him. And I thought, okay, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to out-sing that guy. So I just got loud. When I got loud, he got louder. And it was like he was sitting there and I was on a platform and it was like I was going, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And he'd go, that seemed to hurt like me. <laughs> Terrible. I'm going to tell you we're all going to be in key when we get to heaven. Amen. And we're going to rejoice around the throne of God, praising our Savior who loved us and gave Himself for us. Amen. Had a little girl got killed. Bible says, count on all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Try it sometime. You find out it's not real easy. I had three surgeries last year. My dad died. I had a rough year. Oh, there's coming a day when I'll rejoice. And God's going to wipe the tears from our eyes. And we'll be with Him throughout eternity. That's what God expects from the virtuous woman, His bride. Go on down. Look at what it says in verse number 25. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. You know why I'm here today? I'm going to tell you. Stand up. I'm here today because a long time ago I preached the gospel and he heard it and trusted Christ. Yes. That's all the reason I'm here. Look, I'm, I'm, there's nothing special about me. His children rise up and call him Call her blessed. Some of you are here today because he preached the gospel and you heard it and you trusted Christ. I preached Phil's ordination. I preached about uh, Timothy being Paul's son in the faith. And I said, now I'm no Paul. But you ain't no Timothy either. <laughs> 
Yes. I'm going to tell you. I remember, <laughs> I, I can tell you stories about people getting saved. A good friend of mine died about, I don't know, six, eight years ago. I can't remember really when. Uh, Kenny Moreland. Uh, he came to church one Sunday. He was sitting back about where you're sitting. And there was a fellow sitting across from him named Raleigh Manning. And Raleigh knew Kenny and loved him. And, 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 and had been friends with Kenny's grandpa. And, and uh, we gave the invitation. And boy, Kenny grabbed a hold of the pew and was holding on. And Raleigh Manning went over and about knocked him over trying to pull him down the aisle. And I thought, that guy will never be back. I went to his house that day and visited him. The next Sunday, Kenny Moreland came and he got saved. He walked yes, down sir. the aisle and he knelt. Yes, and I led him to Christ. And he had great big glasses. Mm-hmm. And he had, a, he had a fat face. Mm-hmm. And his glasses kind of hugged his face real tight. And he got up from the altar and his glasses were halfway full of tears. <laughs> yes, sir. His children rise up and call him blessed. I can remember the Lawson family. We were done with church one night, and I was back at the back door greeting people as they left. Mitch Lawson came to the door, and I said, Mitch, don't you want to get saved? He started crying and said, yeah, I want to get saved. We went back up and sat down. I led him to Christ. His wife was leaving, and I said, Mrs. Lawson, you sure do need to get saved. And she said, yeah, I do. I want to get saved. And she got saved. His daughter came out. And I said, look, your mom and daddy's going to heaven now. You need to get saved. She's about 30. She said, yeah, I want to get saved. Her sister came out and she got saved. We had like eight people saved after church walking out the door. And so I just said, folks, we're going to start revival tonight. We're going to just keep going until people don't get saved. We went two and a half weeks. Every night, people walk in the aisle and trust in Christ. Her children will rise up and call her blessed. And her husband also. I can't wait to stand before Jesus. And you know what I hear him, you know what I want to hear him say? Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, let's go on down. Look with me down at uh, at verse number thirty-one. It says, "Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates." I'm not saved by works. But according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, yes, sir. I'll be rewarded for my works. You say, what are the rewards? I don't know that I know it all. But I do believe this. I believe your authority in the kingdom your rule in the kingdom because it says we're going to reign with him. Right. Your reign in the kingdom is determined by your works here. That's good. 
Remember when Jesus said, when you pray, go to your closet, and your Father would seize you in secret, reward you openly? Yes, sir. And what He said is, if you pray to be seen of men, you have your reward. I don't want any praise here. But I want in heaven, I want my works to be seen. And for God to give me, I don't know, I, I might want to, I, I think Phil would be a good mayor of Lancaster in the millennium. Huh. I know one thing, I don't want to be mayor of my hometown. It's only got about 200 people. That's not big enough. I, West Elkton, you, you ever been to West Elkton? It's a crossroads. There's not a gas station. There's not a restaurant. There's not a nothing. It's a crossroads and a dump. I can remember when I was a boy, the sewer used to be a creek that ran down through the center of town. And everybody's toilets drained into the creek that ran through the middle of town. My buddies would say, let's go play in the creek. My dad would say, don't you get in that creek. I don't know what it's going to be. But I know this. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. That's the kind of church I want to be part of. I want to be the virtuous woman that Jesus is looking for. And I hope you do too. Let's pray, okay? Father in heaven, really an unbelievable thing that one day I'm going to be united with Christ. My, my, what, a, what an unbelievable thought. Dear God, I pray that on that day that I'll have some children that will rise up and call me blessed. I pray that I'll hear my father say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm glad that it will be a day of rejoicing for me. Thankful I don't have to be afraid of the snow. The judgment of God that's coming on this earth. Because the ruby red blood of Jesus Christ has been shed and paid for the sin that I, the sinner that I was. God made this church Become the virtuous woman is my prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just wonder this evening if you'd say, Brother Jeff, the Holy Spirit of God spoke to me in some way. We've covered a whole lot of ground the last 45 minutes. You'd say, Brother Jeff, something the Holy Spirit struck a chord in my life. And I want to be the virtuous woman that Christ would have me to be. Will you pray for me? You just slip your hand. God bless you. Hands going up all over the building. God bless you. I'm going to turn it over to Brother Phil as the instruments begin to play, piano begins to play. If God spoke to your heart, before we even start the invitation, will you just step out of your seat and come and say, Dear God, whatever God's dealt with you about, 
do business with him. Amen. Come join those who are here.